so chuffed. He wants to be like you. He's going to be so. I bet he can hear through the thin walls in the new house. Um, yeah, he's lovely, and we're we're a good team. And actually, through the fertility ups and downs, more more downs than ups recently, but we have definitely got stronger. So that's been one positive. But interestingly, as I've been exploring my fertility journey. I've been having lots of different types of therapies. I haven't told you guys this yet because we 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 text every now and then, don't we? And you guys mm. leave me gorgeous, cheerful um, video notes. Um, during the process of sort of grieving some miscarriages, I was um, referred to a psychiatrist and I haven't talked about this to anyone yet. And she diagnosed me with... Before we go any further, I just want to tell you about the Happy Pair app, which is pretty much me and Stephen living in your pocket to support you and being your health guides. Along with that, we've got hundreds of plant-based recipes, delicious ones. There's yoga for you. There's meditation for you. There's breath work for you. We've got tons of different courses to help transform your health, really. We partner, we with, partner with various different medical experts from neurologists, cardiologists, gynecologists, gastroenterologists, dietitians, psychologists, and much, much more. But the one thing that really makes this app different, and obviously you're interested in community if you've clicked on this podcast, the real thing that we that has transformed our life is community. And the one thing that is hugely lacking in modern day society in so many different ways is community. So we're using the digital medium of our new app, the Happy Pair Healthy Living app, to help support you to live a happier, healthier life. We've got daily lives. We've got a community within there. And really, you get the opportunity to be the linchpin and impact other people's lives. It's fantastic. There's a seven-day free trial. It's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. We've got monthly and annual memberships. And we really genuinely hope we get the opportunity to help and support you in becoming healthier and happier. Available now on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Hello and welcome to Happy Bear Podcast. Hi, how are you? How's it going? Hi, yeah, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Mel, for pressing this button. How, uh, how are you guys getting on? How's David Flynn now that uh, the wife's away? I built a bed. I built a bed on Saturday. That was really cool. I think in another life, I'd love to be a carpenter or a I, builder. I think you'd like to be one in this life too. I will be one in this life, actually. Yes, yeah, it was the Take first. That back. It was the first day that, uh, like, I went down to the farm and I saw you, Steve, and I was like, "Where's Dave?" And I was like, "Where is Dave? Like, his wife's away. Like, where would he be?" And then I saw on Instagram, I was like, "Oh, he's building beds." Oh, I got like ten hours of power tools on Saturday. That's so funny. Like I was so and it was delighted. Actually, like life. it's a re- good bed. Like, like it is. It's not. It's not an IKEA Tell bed. Tell us about like your was, bed, Dave. What's so I built a platform bed. It was a floating Japanese style bed, except it should be floating, but you can still kind of see the legs. So, so technically, it's not floating. What makes it floating? If you um, it's that the legs are kind of hidden, so it actually looks like it's floating. You go, how's that bed hanging up? So, gotcha. um, but you can see the legs. You can see legs, but it was cool. I went. I like got a van on Friday, and I went and bought all my three by twos and four by twos, and me links oak board, and got me got all my bits and got the chop saw and got the skill saw and got all my power tools and, and I just had so much fun on Saturday morning me and Dennis playing. And are you going to build anything else while she's away? But yeah. I think it's a great reminder just the simple things of craft like building something with your own hands and the pleasure of seeing it and going yes look what I did today. Yeah. 
It's lovely. But you both build things a lot. No, like I you built like four tree houses for yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. The illusion <laughs> that you're meant to do them with your sons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, the, the fun thing is whenever you go over to your house and you're like, where's Steve? I thought he said he'd be here. And then he, you come like groggy eyed a few seconds later on, just had a nap Where? <laughs> in the tree house. It's Why the not one, in your bed? <laughs> it's the one place where the kids typically don't hang out. <laughs> it's the tree house that I built for them. <laughs> They're still Perfect. standing amazingly. Yeah. Uh, but today, another note, we closed Shoreline, which is, oh, yeah. so we had four cafes two years ago and now we're down to just one. We closed the second one today. Do you think it'll open cafe. anymore again? Um, certainly not for the time being, because no. there's a lot of work in closing them. Like, you know, we opened up Shoreline. <laughs> we opened up Shoreline. Closing them. That sounds so well, negative. It just is. Like, there's so much energy and emotion that goes through it. And you, like, the, you know, you've got to deal, like, you got to lay people off because you're closing, yeah. which is like, it's emotionally. And then you've got to go through the experience of clearing it out and going through all the clutter. And, and all even the down bits. there today, kind of like come walking in and feeling like, oh. Like closing it, like it didn't work out, and you know, there's a which little is bit like in one sense you kind of feel a little bit remorse, but then in the other sense, like ah, just get on with it, you know, pack the van, out, get on, the, move on. It felt like a festival, like closing up a festival, and like ah, on the road again. Where are yeah. we off? Yeah, it was fun. The two lads in the van, you know, packing up. But yeah, you know, uh, but I guess there's mixed emotion. There's there's joy, there's freedom, there's sadness, there's but failure, there's all those things. And it kind of reminds you the cycle of life. I think that's what it reminded us that there's you know with everything you start something and you enjoy it and then it kind of has another cycle. Yeah, it, it had a good ten years. It, it yeah. Reminder, at least for me, it was like, we're all going to die one day. Well, it, rem- like, it reminded me of doing less things and do them better. Yeah. Do less things and do them better. That's my focus at the moment. That's that's a great yeah. focus. Yeah. Quick one. Would you ever go back to the festival days and go to any of the festivals? Damn days? right we would. <laughs> <laughs> any offers out there? Send them our way. Remember, what was it the first year Electric Picnic? Didn't you guys get naked? Yeah, yeah, me and yeah, yeah. Cal, yeah. yeah oh, was, was I, was, I was working with a pretty poor pitch. Not a poor, it was a reasonable pitch. And <laughs> Kev, we were, me and a friend, Kev Cal, were working it. And Kev had a great idea. He took off his apron, took off all his clothes and put back on his apron. I was like, that's a brilliant idea, Kev. So someone would come up and they'd already and they'd see in an apron. And then you turn around to make their smoothie. And there's just a pair of cheeks in their face. And <laughs> it, the queue got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the police joined the queue. And then I was like, oh, fuck it. But it was great crack. We that's had such hilarious. A laugh it was, yeah, it was a fun So story uh, moral festival. of the story, if your business is doing bad, get naked. Yeah, there you are. Well, sex sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we learned sex sales. E- a lot even more with food. <laughs> not that it's very hygienic, but hey. <laughs> yeah, it worked back God, you did that for years, though, is it not getting naked at festivals, but you went to a lot of festivals. Yeah. With the we certainly had six. Like I know Elsie, Elsie, by the time Elsie was five, she'd been to six years of Body and Self Festival. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Where did go, she stay in the uh, family like, I guess the first time she was, when Jan was pregnant and then she went the next, yeah, we used to camp in the family camping and it was really fun and she had headphones and whatever. And, you oh know, those. God, that's so cute. Yeah, it was really cute. Yeah, and they were just so used to it. You know, it was really cute. Yeah. And I'd carry her around in a little, there was a little trolley you'd pull her around and it was very cute. It was fun. Um, this week's podcast guest. Have you ever done okay. any festivals with her? No, but we we had Don't a Melissa amazing. She's so, divine. She's she's the queen of big flavors in terms of food. Uh, uh, Melissa's a friend of ours from London, who's just the most exuberant, wonderful, as friendly and as magical as she sounds. She's even more in in real life. Yeah, she really is. She's like overflowing with love and joy. Like we stayed in her house a number yeah. of times. I've had bath. She's got an incredible bathroom. She really does. <laughs> she's got a wonderful bath, and she knows I loves bath. So she like she draws the bath and lights the candles and puts all the incense, and then comes down and goes, 
your bath is ready. And it was <laughs> like, and after a busy day in London, that was like, oh my God, thank I love you, you, Melissa. But uh, she has put on a number of nights, like kind of almost like festivals. Like there are like many festivals in her house where she's invited lots of people over, like 10 or 12 or 15 people for a big dinner that she's cooked. And it's like a, a wonderful celebration. So yeah. Mel's divine. She's a really kind, wholesome. When did you meet her? I'd say five or six years ago. She's been in the, and when you're book. in the food game, you're kind of aware of each other. And, just and she, her, her, her and her sister start, were writing, had started writing books. And I guess we had written one and just wanted to reach out and connect and see if they wanted to do some, shoot some content together. Oh, so you reached out to them? Yeah, we reached out to them. It must oh, have been nice. six or so. I remember meeting her and Henry in a little place. Yeah. A little bar somewhere in the middle of London. And then... I think we, then it went from there. I don't know, maybe we stayed with them and then... No, Mel out. came out to the Cafe England one time when she was on a book tour here in Ireland. Yeah, anyway, it built and it's been years and she's glorious. Mel's written number, uh, numbers of best-selling books. She's written six books this time, three with her sister Jasmine. She's had TV shows. She's an all-round amazing human. Like that's, uses the medium of food to share love with the world. Yeah, really does. And she is the queen of big flavours. Like she's all about big flavours, bright, colourful food. She's such a bright, colourful, charismatic. And today we're going to talk about waste, about the importance about sustainability in our food choices. And we're just going to talk around just food life. And, and uh, having a laugh, really. Yeah. So without further ado, we give you the wonderful, our dear friend, Melissa Hemsley. Hi, guys. Yeah. You're how, so professional. Are you, are you at home in your lovely home? We've just moved three days ago to North London. So wow. it's time you come. And your house was amazing. Because we, we, we stayed in your house lots of times and it was so lovely. And your bathroom. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. There's not a bath like it anymore. I, that's the one sad thing. And your kitchen, there's your no kitchen was amazing. Like it. it was a nice kitchen, wasn't it? It was great for like oh. having a party. Remember that big long table and you did that party one night. It was just like, wow, this is Mel. You live a good we life. Had, we made a curry together, didn't we? And you guys bought some plums. I think you bought some stone fruit and we just threw it in with some Caribbean curry powder. Go on, Bailey. Go on. That's lolly. Millie. Millie. Isn't it? <laughs> poor little, poor little thing's having surgery in a couple of days. Oh, that's Melissa, Melissa's doggy. That's my little doggy. Come here, you. And how's the big move gone, Mel? How does it feel to be to move house? It, it's it's all right, you know. It's it's just a. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you guys. I feel like you make a home wherever you go. I'm a little bit more <laughs> nest, nest like. Well, bit, bit, just a bit more clutchy. You're, you guys are a bit more free, and I'd like to be like that. I'm a bit more. Huh. So I'm just like releasing my grip a little bit, and it's you know a bit of an out of control thing moving house, isn't it? There's lots of moving parts. So I found that little bit, yeah, discombobulating. Discom. Oh. What a word. Yeah, it's a, what, it's a Mary I'm, I'm in a word. similar situation as well where like I can I can appreciate that because like we've been renting a house for 15 years and we were hoping to buy it, but that's not happening. Um, the, 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 they don't want to sell it. And then we kind of have to like find somewhere to rent and maybe we'll build a house and it's kind of all up in the air. And it's kind of like I'm having to remind myself, just surrender the process where you're going to be, you're going to be and just you have somewhere to sleep now and enjoy it. And, and home is not like this psychological idea of ownership home is like where you rest and where your family is and where you feel you know oh, where you are and that's what I'm trying to remind myself I needed you to tell me that oh I'm ready to, I'm ready to like I'm ready to just have like a big releasing cry now <laughs> <laughs> go for it it's so true 
we've got roofs over our heads. We're warm. You guys are warm. You've got those lovely legs out as always. Do you remember when we went to Scotland with Prince Charles, formerly known as Prince Charles, and you guys had to go and buy some trousers because you bought Because we were told we couldn't meet the prince in short pants, that we had no, to wear royal, long the, pants. The royal, you can't wear shorts to meet the royal family. Yeah. That was the funniest. Jeez, I forgot about that. I remember legging her through shopping centres to find a pair of jeans. And it was like, wow, I'm allowed, but what am I going to buy? Wow, a pair of jeans to go meet Prince but Charles and what fun. Have lovely hairy legs. <laughs> but then, guys, the funniest thing is you had to cover your legs. Then we went for our formal dinner and he was wearing a kilt and he had all of his hairy legs out. <laughs> and and I did a handstand for him. And he told me that, um, oh, I used to do that. And then he said he did it in the doorway in a kilt or something. And then he said it didn't go too well. So I th- I, something oh, to that extent. It was a few years ago. definitely the bells of the ball. That was such an experience, wasn't it? Wow. And you were definitely, he, he, he liked you guys. He yeah. liked you guys. Well, he, I think he liked twinkly eyed, crazy, kind of colourful. I don't know. Uh, maybe he could yeah. see himself in us for, to some degree he, he Stephen invited him to come stay in our house and he said um, well uh, uh, I have a little bit of entourage and I said oh so that's no problem Steve has a spare room and he was like does he have six or seven bedrooms you know he said something like this and it was like oh no no, but he's got a big garden like in the separate tent and he was like ha, 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 and then he moved on <laughs> he probably rarely gets invited it's probably like People just internally want to say things to him, but don't say, and he probably really appreciate it. You know, he's an excellent painter, and imagine I still haven't come and taken a jump into the sea with you guys, but I can imagine him painting that scene where you guys swim every day. Wow! Which I think about yeah, we're walking up from the beach today, saying, "I wonder can we talk Melon to come, Melon Henry to come visit this time, yeah. this time." Yeah. Hundred percent. We were starting to make firmer plans pre-COVID, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. A lot's happened. There's been wedding bells. Oh, there you has get younger. Can you get younger? Yeah, right. That's this is just good light. This is good light. <laughs> you look great, Mel. You look great. You look uh, as shiny uh, as ever. I had a question there. Have you used the moving house as an opportunity to get rid of stuff? Because we've moved house lots of times. Like we've moved three times over the last number of years. Me and me and you. Or me you? and Sab. No, me and Sab have moved a few times. And it's just such a great opportunity to get rid of loads of stuff. Oh, yeah. Agree. I live in a really lovely little, well, I used to live in a really lovely little community area. And we were down Cornwall when they had their annual uh, um, brick and brack sale. But in our area, you just put things out on your front, at your front door and with a little help yourself. And I've loved watching people. um, take stuff. Come and take stuff, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've always got extra plates, mugs, pans. I had some lovely extra unopened food items, so I felt both the shedding and the joy of sharing. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really nice. And actually, what has been interesting is when I've had like moments of sort of higher anxiety, I thought, well, what's the problem? What's going to get broken? As long as Nelly's safe. I actually don't have much that I could, I would save from a burning house. What about you guys? Like, I don't have many things. That, I don't have like family heirlooms or what would no. you guys say? Nothing. There's nothing, nothing, you know, like very little, very little. You know, even when I think we, 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 we record a great pod- podcast with this guy and he was a, a business guy that had done all sorts of well, done well in all sorts of different things. And he was a very driven kind of man. And he was at this stage where he was kind of saying that, 
he, in, at his stage of life, he was 53 and he was saying that he thought he was moving much more towards the idea that the less stuff he has, the freer he was. Because he had gone, had lots of, gone through the very material kind of phase and was very much at the phase that he thought it was really about, you know, having as little stuff as you could and, you know, embracing the adversity that life throws upon you as opposed to, we try to collect lots of stuff to make our life very comfortable, but then we're missing something. We've almost got to artificially create challenges to make us grow because growth is such a part growth and a non-controllable life is just part of every day that was nice rant over good rant that was, that was nice good can we yeah. just take, let's have a moment for that to sink in oh listen ah. <laughs> there's lots more there's lots more where that came from <laughs> melissa hemsley welcome thank you for for Spending time. Oh, it's, it's super so cool. nice. I really feel like I'm with you. Yeah, oh. It feels like we're actually hanging out. We brought, brought your book. Oh, feel good. Nice. This has been in my kitchen since it came out amongst a number of other friends' books, but this has been here. I see it every day in the kitchen. So there you go. Oh, oh I'm always happy to be somewhere around you. And what about you guys smashing it up with yours too? How have you been? Ah, sure. Everything. Every great. Fabulous, wonderful. Today, today we, we closed our closed a cafe. So that's been today. Today we were filling vans and disconnecting fridges and lifting things into vans and out of vans and packing up stuff. And, you know, it was kind of like moving in a sense, but it was like, and, and there's a strange feeling like, like, first of all, there's the feeling of like disappointment or possibly this a feeling of failure. And then there's the other, like, oh my God, look at the wealth in this place. Oh my God, there's a fridge. And look, there's a toaster. I'm going to take that home. And oh my God, we got a spare coffee machine and we got so much stuff. What are we going to do with all this? So there's like, it's funny about kind of almost the dichotomy of life. There's like both emotions. There's like a sadness or a kind of like a, a disappointment. But then there's this joint excitement, almost like we're going to festivals. But, on I, the road but again. I wonder if the sadness is correlated to pride and to ego. Of course. Sadness is. is only to do with other people's expectations of, of what course. you think you should do, as opposed to, I would think in a sense, a bit like as we were saying with moving house, when you get rid of stuff, you feel freer. And certainly we've noticed that, you know, the, the business pre-COVID, it was much bigger. And now we've had to kind of downsize a bit. And it, there's a lot more focus, and a, which is really nice to do do a number of things and do them really well rather than spreading yourself th so thin. And maybe that's, uh, maybe that comes with possessions when you have too much stuff, you don't necessarily appreciate it. Whereas if you're, yeah. if you've got less stuff and you can really appreciate it, maybe that's part of the wealth of life. That's, that's guys, here's me going on about my home. That is, that's big. That's, that's, that's a, a big bittersweet new adventure, closing chapters. Also, you must be physically tired from all of that. Nah, it was good fun. Nah, it was good fun. Horse and fridges around. And getting and into vans and driving vans. You feel like a roadie or a carny again. We felt like we were coming back from festivals, like the two of us up the front, kind of like, you know, like as we said. we playlist on, bit of Bon Jovi. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we said we'd be great furniture remo removal men, like in another oh. life, you know, that I'd, it'd be a the nice happy, job. Uh, I'm trying to think of a removal name. Answer furniture removal. Bill yeah. and Ben. Oh, that'd be sick. Can you imagine like someone dreading the day of moving and then ding dong, it's your beautiful faces <laughs> at the front of you know, satisfaction guarantee. Or make <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's all sorts of emotions. Well, yeah, Jasmine and I closed our cafe during COVID and it was a real bummer. Um, that was the one we in Selfridges where I remember yeah, eating that we gorgeous carrot cake. To have other arms to our businesses. And in the end, I think it worked out well. Was it hard for you to decide which one 
was it hard for you to decide which arm of the business to let go? And no, which no, no. There was always kind of like, it was always the, the one that we closed today, which is down in Shoreline, was it kind of always a smaller little satellite cafe of, of, of the mothership. Yeah, so, but we still have the mothership. Like we closed three over COVID, and now we're down to one. And you closed your, you closed the one in Selfridges. Did did you ever make it to two, two or three? Did you? No. no. Oh my gosh, no! I, I I bow my head to you guys for having multiple. We we found one, an absolute handful that went for about three years, and I still get messages from people going, "Huh? I just turned up to the third floor. Where is it gone?" I'm like, "Oh, it's about a year and a half ago." Because people <laughs> would visit. I guess like you guys, people would come internationally, you know, to how to get their fix. Yeah. Oh um, wow! And well, how is it? Pastures new. And what else? So, okay, so the cafe closed and I guess Feel Good is the latest iteration. And I know you like soups. I know you make a lot of soups. I, I... love soups. This has been, I would say, you know, when we think of, yeah, doors closing and other doors opening, this has been a really interesting year for me because I've, the last sort of two or three years, as you guys know, I've been really on my fertility journey with Henry, my partner. Henry's and a wonderful man. He's an art dealer and a gentleman. And one of those men that you kind of, like you want to be like, you know, one of those characters. He's nice. He can do lots of things. And, and, he's, and he's independent. <laughs> and he can converse about so many different subjects so like wisely. He's, yeah. he's, he's so chuffed. He wants to be like you. He's going to be safe. I bet he can hear through the thin walls in the new house. Um, yeah, he's lovely. And we're, we're a good team. And actually through the fertility ups and downs, more more downs than ups recently, but we have definitely got stronger. So that's been one positive. But interestingly, as I've been exploring my fertility journey, I've been having lots of different types of therapies. I haven't told you guys this yet because we, we, we text every now and then, don't we? And you guys mm. leave me gorgeous, cheerful um, video notes. Um, during the process of sort of grieving some miscarriages, I was um, referred to a psychiatrist and I haven't talked about this with anyone yet. And she diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder. And we went through an assessment and she diagnosed me with ADHD. So it's been a really interesting, um, I, I, and I didn't expect her. To, to to say these things. It's been a really interesting, eye-opening year of doing self-research, working with professionals, of course, like dedicated professionals, and really getting to know myself. Because when we started the assessment, which is quite long and formal, all of these things that I used to find uncomfortable about myself. Sorry, speak, Nellie's just settling herself. She's right, Nellie's the dog, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, you can hear her um, like snorting and like sort of clawing like a horse. She's making a yeah. nest. Yeah, she's, she's getting cozy because it's getting dark. Um, things that I found uncomfortable, that I didn't like about myself, that I felt was so alien, so, so weird, if I can use that word. Things I just was quite ashamed of and I, and I hid or really vastly overcompensated for. It then turned out that it was there was there were some characteristics or some sides of me that were or could be related to. Um, so, so what were th- what were some things which you were hiding? Because even even like a friend recently, like and 
probably in his late 40s got recently diagnosed or mid 40s got recently died with ADHD and he said it was just a total like paradigm shift in how he saw he was kind of like slightly disappointed he didn't find out earlier in his life because he said it's literally made me understand so much of what I've done and he kind of said it and it wasn't necessarily even that it's like hyperactive it's also like hyper focused and also the ability to kind of lose ground and practicality about things and get lost for hours and spend like eight hours researching the the fertility pro pattern of a Mongolian ant like for eight hours and forget to eat and forget everything and suddenly it's like oh wow and I wonder yeah. was it similar for you yes although I have never forgotten to eat that's the only thing. But you're right. I, I there's, There was a, well, the first time that someone said it to me, the person that referred me to her said, has anyone ever thought you might have ADHD? And I sort of burst out laughing in a sort of hysterical, almost like a laugh cry. Um, because uh, a lot, a, a vast number of 30-somethings, 40-year-olds particularly women, are getting diagnosed now. And I was reading this article called The Lost Girls. And it was an interesting thing where when I was growing up, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, although the name, there is talk of the name changing, um, was often something that we associated with high, yeah, high, maybe hyperactive younger boys. And now we're realizing that um, there is obviously so much more to it. And unfortunately, on average, I think it takes about seven years for someone to get who's referred to get diagnosed. Um, but yes, there were things like, well, I don't think you and I have ever sort of booked a flight together or done anything like very admin-y. Things, there's like basic admin things as, as just like a tiny example that I cannot make head nor tail of very simple things that other people can do not only do I struggle to do it I dread it I panic about it it overwhelms me it can actually exhaust me the smallest thing you would just do with your eyes closed and then there's other things that other people might think okay I'll spend five minutes on that and as you just said I could get lost in it and zone into it for eight hours and absolutely love it um and all, but not know where the time's gone um there's also certain things with, and I'm no ADHD expert, so um, I'm just learning myself at the moment. Um, and interestingly, the medication for ADHD, um, by and large, it, you're, you're unable to take it during fertility treatment. So I'm working on other ways of, of managing it at the moment, but managing it and embracing it. So <clears throat> there's something called, um, I've completely forgotten the technical name, but it's about sensitivity and reactive sensitivity. So I think that if I, I think some of my strengths are that I'm sensitive and can really be there for people, but sometimes my sensitivity can be, um, so sometimes it can be a strength and sometimes it can be something that I really can beat myself up over. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> Hypersensitive. Sensitivity uh, is a superpower because it's the ability, it's awareness ultimately. It's 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 your ability to feel others and feel the room. Because my son, uh, my one of my sons and one of my daughter, or my one daughter, she's they're both really sensitive. And I often say to my son, like that's that's like you I can wonder feel where they got across. from. Well, that's I'm, I'm hypersensitive, hypersensitive too. too. But I kind of have learned to hide it. Having gone to no boys' school, you learn how to hide your sensitivity. But as uh, I, as I've got older, I've learned to really well try to lean into it or try to unravel it. Uh, I, I was going to yeah. say. 
there's a friend of ours, uh, Doug Evans, really interesting guy, like business guy. And he's, he, he fits in the classical ADHD as in he's, he's got so much energy. Like he's, he's one of those like twitchy kind of people. And he, he calls it a, a attention deficit advantage. Like he's all about ADA attention deficit advantage. Cause he can, he can get what most people would get done in three days in a day. Like just cause he's, he's lay, he's just obsessed in a very kind of, um, yeah productive kind of way yeah well I think at school so when I told my mum my mum was like oh everyone's got ADHD these days and I said mum I'm not sure that's the most helpful (laughs) thing to say and you know actually you know a lot of things as we know uh, there's not awareness around them so that's maybe why people have been misdiagnosed a lot of people my psychiatrist told me uh, misdiagnosed with anxiety and depression and a given you, I mean you can have both or you can you know you can have all three uh, but a given drugs that then don't help them but with my mum my mum went no 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 but you were you you had an academic scholarship at school you were head girl you were teacher's pet and there seems to be having done some reading myself there's um, a lot of as I say 30 plus women uh, I'm 37 who uh sort of similar where they excelled at school or interestingly didn't necessarily excel they found ways to cope and cover at school by being say really great at getting the grades but it came with perhaps um a downside of being completely almost bloody minded about it and and working so hard at the detriment of thinking i have to be so great i have to be so good at school i can't let anything slip and I now look back at school and think I was obsessed with learning and exams and memorizing I was learning in a particular way that would garner me the I guess the kind of good girl and clever girl praise as opposed to maybe throwing myself into school in a different way so I going back just back 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 to what you said at the beginning about your friend it's been yeah it's been emotional because I've gone oh, why didn't anyone notice that? Or, oh, when I felt really lonely, maybe that was why. Or So, but then I also feel grateful that that now I can have some answers, I can do my own research. So I've basically, since I've seen you, because it's been a while, I have been doing a lot of self-work and it's been great. Wow. Well, breakdowns (laughs) are the greatest opportunity to break through and see different sides of yourself. That's been my experience of the hardest times which I've had. They're always hard going through them, but then you evolve and become a more authentic version of yourself as the layers peel back. Certainly when I was, when I got separated and was divorced, that was tough. And definitely you you kind of, there's an element of you've got to let go of aspects of yourself and embrace all the kind of insecurities around it, particularly other people's expectations of what, how you think you should be and how you think other people should see you. And I think, you know, there's there's such an opportunity to, evolve into a more authentic mm. version of yourself. I, I had a question there about, um, about ADHD because I, I really don't quite understand it because we've really understood it from the context of, oh, well, geez, someone's got loads of energy. Like people have often said to us, you lads must have ADHD. Like, and I'd be like, yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure we do. Oh, like so many times, thousands of times we've been called ADHD. And even, <laughs> no, you we said, even when you said, I'm like, yep, we probably have it. We just haven't been diagnosed, you know, and I don't want to be diagnosed, but I don't really understand. Like, could you explain more? Like, like uh, oh. all, I, all I know is that like twitchy people that can't sit still, which has always been us. 
And that's why people have always accused us of being HD or kind of said, are you guys ADHD? But I know there's more to it. So I'd love to understand a okay. little more. Well, I feel that I don't know enough about it to delve too deep. But what I can share is that um, there are elements of what you said. There seems to be elements of what I've experienced, which is the so-called symptoms I don't have, the awareness around it and what symptoms, I don't even know if symptoms is the right word. I mean, any ADHD expert listening to this is going, no, you probably got it all wrong. But if I think about saying my psychiatrist appointment, what we did do was she took me through a very um, formulaic system that I think, I believe everybody gets taken through this assessment. And what was, what was really interesting is she asks you to give the paperwork, the questionnaire, which I believe was like, was it one to five or A to E, like likely, very likely, or, you know, questions like yeah, yeah, yeah. highly agree, highly disagree. So she asked me to give it to someone who knows me really well. So I thought, okay, I'll give it to Henry, my boyfriend. And we, you do it separately and you don't discuss it. And then you put it in the envelopes and you send it off and you wait. Oh, exciting. How well does he know me? Oh, dun, dun, well, interestingly, when we got the results, um, you know, I remember sort of obsessing being like, what did he say for this one to the lady? And she said to me, oh, it, it, it doesn't matter, but in general, where... Where, what he what what he did say, and she says, and it's very common when people's loved ones do these questionnaires is he knows you're hurting and he knows you're stressed and overwhelmed, but he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know how to help and he doesn't know how to communicate it to you, communicate it with you. And I thought that was such an interesting one because there was one thing where it was like, does does she get overwhelmed by this or does she have this and I had wrote strongly agree and he had written strongly disagree and I thought and then I wondered oh I must have been particularly good at covering that up holding it within or things like that but in answer to your question it is it is incredibly complicated and I'm right at the beginning of the journey and I would uh you're not in a position to give a detailed answer about it you are? Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's so much I don't know about it. All I know is that um, people say things like neurotypical brains and neurodiverse brains seems to be a sort of one way of labeling. And I kind of don't like labels, but when I tried to explain it to my mum, because I didn't want her to disbelieve it or tell me that, you know, a qualified professional was wrong and I wanted her to be on board with it. I just said, you know what, my brain, uh, I'm just a little, uh, the way I process things is just a little bit different from you. Um, and I'm keen to explore it. And it can be passed through families. Um, and, you know, I would love to be able to to manage it, embrace it, use it, harness it. And I was reading an article and it said, in, you know, Silicon Valley, they, they, People, I mean, I don't know how they can discriminate like this, but people, they, they apparently look out for neurodiverse brains because mm. they want wow. they want a workforce where people think differently, react differently, think outside the box, think differently from each other, which I guess makes sense. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I remember like you're such a kind bubbly overflow like we feel such kinship with you that I remember uh, sitting on your bed one time this is about four years ago and we were all wearing pajamas 
and it was like 11 o'clock and it, like I felt like we were three kids before Christmas Eve and Henry yeah. was even in brushing his teeth in like next door or whatever and he came in and goes what's going on like this, the two lads are in my in in our bed like what are you, you know and it was kind of funny like you know it was just such a strange moment that we were like three little kids and then it was like oh yeah, yeah. sorry this probably isn't really appropriate we're going to go into our rooms now it was lovely it was definitely we definitely had that great sleepover vibe which you know I you know, speak, thinking of the fact that, you know, I want to have kids, I've got embryos frozen in the, in the freezer in London, you know, I really, what I'm excited about, about having kids is being silly, all clambering into bed together, making dens, um, having sleepovers, midnight snacks, doing fun things. I mean, I know you guys are parents and I'm like rose tinting the whole experience right now, but I really, I'm looking forward to having a little team as a family, you know, and with our dog and just experiencing life in a really um, more carefree way than I think I had as a kid. As I said, was so obsessed with being good girl, being good at school. I just don't think I, I don't think I like was enough of a kid, if that makes sense. Do you guys think you? No, can I go? Can I go? Okay. No, no, I like, I, I totally related. And I think, you know, my experience of being a father is that it's the greatest joy I've ever experienced. And it's also like to experience that joy, there has to be equal challenge and equal, you know, obstacles to, to overcome pay. a price to pay. Like, you know, if you want to feel the greatest joy in life, you got to, you know, work the hardest to get there. And similarly with children, I think it's the greatest challenge and also it's the greatest fear, greatest insecurity you'll feel because you just love something so much that you'd gladly die for it, you know, that way. And that it's, there's such a vulnerability that if something happens to them, it's like, oh my God, I just, you know, this type of thing. But but in terms of how's the fertility journey going? Because I did see your Instagram post, which I really admired the rawness. And that, and then you said like, I want to share my fertility journey and that not to say that it's all gone positive. I just want to share it because it's just, I want to put it out there. And I just really admired the rawness, the vulnerability. Even reading, I was like, well, even, no. even there saying that you had two miscarriages, which is, you know, I, I think it's such an important part of the journey to talk about these things and yeah. be part of the acceptance and the healing and the. Agree. Agree. I, yeah. Well, the day I wrote that post, I had been chatting about it with a few friends and I really want to share it on my Instagram because, you know, it's been going on for two or three years and I find a lot of strength in, re you know, when anytime someone posts about uh, miscarriages, infertility, the horrible, horrible circumstances, and then the joys, my friends will send me links, you know, with like, you know, like see this hopeful thing that happened or thought you might relate to this. And I would, sometimes I would not be ready to read it but I'd always save it and come back to it. And I just thought, I think I want to, I, I, I know I want to share it at some point. And the day that I shared it, I woke up and I was like, today's the day. And I like tapped it out of my phone. I was in bed. And then Henry was in the other room. I was like, Henry, do you want to read it? Cause you're, you know, I'm talking about you in it and it's your private life too. He's like, nah, post it. And I remember going, I'm going to reread it again. I'm going to read it through, check it, check it. And I went, fuck it. Sorry. No good. Very <laughs> proud. For and I just pressed post. And I thought, okay, and go to the loo now. And I left it. And um, I thought, oh God, my mum, my mum's going to be really annoyed that, you know, I'm sharing this because she's going to say it's so private. And, you know, my mum isn't, my mum is wonderfully supportive, but she's not a huge fan of me talking about mental health. You know, she'll say, 
you know, maybe you shouldn't talk about mental health because some people might not want to work with you. And I'm like, uh, I actually think sometimes people want to work with me, collaborate with me, engage with me because I talk about it, but that's okay. You know, it's another generation. Um, and she has, she, she's, she's coming at it from, from a place of love. And then I, I couldn't believe the messages I, would, I was getting both on Instagram and so many direct messages. I had people saying, um, I'm, I didn't want to comment publicly because some of my colleagues follow you and I didn't want them to see, but I'm actually suffering too and I'm overwhelmed with it too. Then I had someone say, um, I thank you for sharing because I feel that I can comfort my son and daughter-in-law more now. Now I've read it because I, we find it quite, I find it quite hard to ask some questions about it. I had one guy message and go, because I'd said in I'd said in my caption, I'm going to share it, but I'll always give a trigger warning because I know it's very upsetting. Some people might not want to read this. And Henry is going to share a little bit too. And one guy wrote, when's Henry's bit coming? I want to read Henry's bit because I want to hear from a guy's point of view how I can best support my partner and also support myself. Because, you know, it's, eh, I was going to say, it's it's 50-50 to make a baby. It's actually a third. I was reading this book called spirit babies and it's like it's the sperm it's the egg and it's and it's the, the spirit as well like all three of you working together to, to create the baby so um i felt a huge amount of freeness i've got to say and just I haven't it about this because I, I, that it almost took quite a lot from me a lot from me and it and i gained a lot from it but it just showed i guess this is what happens when you guys do your podcast and you talk about male vulnerability and whenever you do a post about your feelings I stop I stop everything and I read it I digest it I save it and I think good on you and I guess that is one of the wonderful things about Instagram you you guys and me we share recipes we share things that make our day go well and then we share stuff that people really really feel raw in their heart and we're sharing it and there's a connection and you think wow, this is what it's all about, this community space. A, fr- so, a, friend, a friend has an expression that he says that uh, when you have that deep fear, that deep kind of vulnerability, that kind of, oh, there's no way I should share this. He's about, you've got to share it. Like, like and this is not necessarily on social media, but you've got to do it. You've Like that, that vulnerable space, that really tender kind of, that protected space, that is, the, that, that is the gift that you have been given. And part of the journey, in his belief, is to go deeper into that exploration and express it, however that may be. So that's the most true. It's like we connect, like, you know, anytime someone says, oh, they've done this, they've done that. Like, you don't really connect with that. But when someone says when they've really been through pain, like when someone's really been through pain and suffering, that's when you can connect more. That's when you can you can empathize so much more with someone's pain than you can with their joys and their victories. Yeah. And, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you especially have a lot of science backed research experts in, in all your books. Uh, and we're mainly coming at it from food and health and lifestyle. There's only so much, I guess that's why you do the podcast as well. There's only so much you can do in a book. And what's great about conversations like this or popping up something on Instagram is you can talk about things in real time. Or in my case, it wasn't real time because it'd been going on for two years, but you can you can share when you're ready to. And you might not, not even know you're ready. Like I said, I woke up that day and just went, oh my God. And it was almost like my fingers just went, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. 
Um, and I don't think I knew what to expect from the release. And then I got the release. I was like, wow, that feels good. And then I thought, oh my gosh, well, I, I better, I better start sharing what I said I was going to share. And then as I say, I haven't yet. It hasn't been the right time. Um, and maybe I'll listen to that feeling, that flow of energy when it comes. Um, but I just feel so bloody grateful to be uh, and to have found therapists and this psychiatrist. Next week, I'm going on a breathing retreat for three and a half days in the countryside. I cannot wait. I've been on it before. Um, and for three days, um, we will do some gentle yoga just to open up our bodies, especially our diaphragms and get ready for breathing. And then we breathe and we go on big walks. We jump in the lake. So I've really been putting things like that first. And actually, I was meant to do it in March and then I got COVID and they let me postpone it till now. So it's been something amazing I've had in the diary for a long time. And it feels so good to have that in the diary for me. Having something to look forward to. Up? Yeah, that's fine. for you. Um, you like having stuff in the diary, or do you? Do I you might like go to the sauna. I'm going to go to the sauna this weekend. This, nice. So, so right by the sea. So we swim in the sea every day at sunrise. And recently, in the last six months, maybe it's a year. My sense of time is really poor. But there's um, wood fired sauna. Have like this guy Steve Crosby has started. He's two little wood fired saunas. One that sits twelve and one that sits six. And it's the best tenny you spend all week. You get like, and normally you buy for two or three or four. And it's a great place to sit and have a chat. It's like sitting in the, you know, when you used to go to the pub, we used to go to the pub and we used to drink alcohol and you'd sit in like, there's a little snug, there was a little snug in Dan's and it was really small and you were snuggled in and you were kind of having the chats and talking crap and it was great crack. And going to the sauna and it could be at 6am, you're kind of snugged in and you're, and often it'll be with loads of the lads that you went to school with and you're just talking absolute crap and then you're running down oh. to the sea and you're running back in and it feels like a retreat on a Friday morning and it's just like best Before tennis breakfast. all week. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. So, sorry, it's right by the sea, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in Greystones. Yeah, oh, it's just yeah. like a two minute walk in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just, oh, yeah. yeah it's wow. Lovely. And you pay and you just wow. got half an hour. So it's just half, you pay 10 euro and you get it for half an hour. And you go in and you do your thing and then you, like, it's, it's fun. It's a nice little It's a lovely little luxury. Little uh, bit luxury of that costs you a tenner. So <laughs> yeah. it's a very affordable luxury. You don't need to spend hundreds of euros. Like like free coffees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Oh, I so. can't wait. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm turning 40 in three years. I'm not turning 40 without having jumped in the sea at sunrise with you guys. Oh, well, there well, you anytime. go. Anytime. Dave is a nice spare room. Dave is a nice spare room for you, Mel. You and Henri. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and you know my room is always available for you guys. We'll be in a different part of London to explore now. Oh, no. oh, well, um, oh, well. Probably good to go into food and food waste. Yeah, I think that's a topic food. that's really important to talk about because I think you're a wonderful, you use the medium of food to talk about greater social issues. And I think the the topic of waste is something that's so paramount in our society and something that really grates on me because regularly in the cafe, like, this is in our main cafe. I can come in in the evening. We just only have one this. cafe now as of today. Yeah. In the so we cafe, only have a cafe. It's the mothership, our cafe. And there can be someone, kind of one of the KPs, maybe putting some food in the bin. And I'm like, it kind of just makes me go, it's very few things that really anger me. And that yes. angers me. And it's, there are rare moments where I could actually lash out at someone going, please don't do that. That's wrong. And it, like very few things will anger me like that, but that angers me Trigger like you. that. It triggers me. And I yeah. kind of catch myself and go, I'm sorry for getting angry. I just, find this really offensive. So I wonder if we could talk about food waste. Let's do it. Because yes. It's obviously a subject we are hugely passionate about. Yeah. Same with me and Henry. As I say, we, our relationship's tight, but if I see him 
chopping a carrot and you know he's like chopping off like the tip as opposed to the base if that makes sense yeah, yeah. and he'll be like and I'll be like where's that going where is that going? And I will literally go into the compost food bin. I'll be like, I'm eating that now. So that that gets on my gets on my nerves too. But you know what? When I show him or remind him, because you know he'll be chilling, he'll have a podcast, and he'll be doing a phone meeting. Then he'll be like, oh, okay, and I can see him go, yeah, that's fine. In the same way that my mum taught me not to waste, and it's just about someone re- showing you. And you rethinking it. And I think it's Doug McMaster. Do you know who he yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Boat silence. Doug yeah. came, yeah. came swimming with us. Doug came and hung out a few times. He's great. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, th- I think this is his quote. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Food, uh, food waste is a failure of the imagination. Yeah. So what I like about it is when you can show someone a new way of looking at a carrot or the tops of all the stems of the herbs or the little cute little tender leaf that shoots off the broccoli or the celery leaves or whatever it may be it's you show, you're just showing someone something new and it's interesting isn't it that we're taught or we've grown to think that one part of a vegetable or a fruit is superior than another because we know that the coriander stem has got gorgeous flavor and it's soft and it and it when you chop it up and add it to the base of the curry at the beginning and then you garnish with the leaves at the end, you get double the flavor, double the greenery. Um, so we're like, what's not to love about that? But I can see how for those that don't think like that, it's, it's like a big mind shift. And I think that when we have grown up watching TV shows where the prettiest bits are picked to be on the cookery show or plated up. No wonder lots of people don't think that the less attractive bit or that bit, like, you know, like a spring onion, for example, you know, it's white and it goes into green and darker green at the end. How many cookery shows have we grown up with? Or even now where people just literally chop it off off about halfway up and they discard that top bit. Mm, and it's wow. it's gone and that, that's how people think and I remember once chopping a mushroom with someone and they were like oh do you eat the mushroom stem my mum I'm like 33 and I've never eaten a mushroom stem my mum always threw away the mushroom stem mm. and you know that's just how they've been brought up and you know it's, it's nice to be able to say to someone guys there's a whole new world of mushroom stems for you out there my mum is Filipino Catholic grew up with very little my dad was in the army so together the two of them were very like waste is a sin, waste won't win you the war. You know, like everything was about being resourceful and thrifty and frugal. So I feel lucky that I had that base foundation. What about with your parents? Well, I think, well, I think statistically 30% of all food that is bought is wasted and particularly That's fresh food, like fresh food, a lot more of that is wasted because it actually goes off, whereas packaged and processed food, much less so. But recently... Yeah. Like we, we've started a farm, so we grow a lot of vegetables. And what I realized now is that I think waste is also part of a greater issue, which is disconnection, disconnection from our food. Because when I see what ourselves in the farm, that when we grow stuff, like when we, when this broccoli, when I'm eating broccoli from the farm, I know that that ain't just broccoli. That is 55 wheelbarrows of dirt 
That is a lot of Saturday mornings of us, friends, family up there mucking about, planting seeds, watering, welly boots, kids, lunches. There's so much emotions in this broccoli that there's no way I'm going to waste it. So I think there's an element of disconnection with our food. And when we're more connected with our food, we are not going to waste it. Like there's, there's hell or high water. I'm going to eat that. You know, I will go yeah. through that bag of rocket and I'll throw out the bad bits, but I'm eating the good bits, even if it's a week or two old. Like, you know, so it's, I think there's the more connected we are to our food. And I think we we live in a society now where we're looking for connection. We are craving for connection in so many different senses and we're using it in social media. We're using all these various things. And I think the land is the ultimate way of connecting. It, not the ultimate, yeah. but it's, it's certainly a big, obvious one. And food, obviously, being one of the greatest pleasures in life, the more that we can connect with nature and food, I think it's so fundamental to... Yeah. Wasting less. Rant over. Yeah. They, they say, don't they, that farmers are caretakers of Mother Earth. And you said, if we, when I'm connected to food, you know, come hell or high water, I'm not going to waste, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to save it. And the same is true, I think, with the wider environment is the more we give a shit about the trees, our local park, um, that patch of green at the end of our road, the school playground, the kids having access to a tree, we will fight to save it. Um, if we don't go into the park, why do we care if there's dog poo everywhere, um, COVID masks everywhere? Do you remember, like, you'd, like, walk through during, you know, when you were allowed out during lockdown and there'd just be masks and plastic bottles. And we were like, how, how have we gone back? And I... And, you know, I, I realised where we live in East London, we had lots of floods, you know, and there's been a lot of big storms and, you know, lots of people, I'm sure, wherever you're listening in, have had have really felt natural disasters, you know, loom up right in your face recently, whereas maybe before it was a little bit out of sight, out of mind, it wasn't on your doorstep. Yeah, but we were, we were disconnected. And now we realise, my God, we all have to do something even if it's unclear what we can do exactly on a greater scale, we've got to do something. And you said a third of the food that we produce is wasted at the moment, especially with the cost of living crisis or someone renamed it the cost of greed crisis, is that if you do the numbers about 600, I can't do my euros, but 600, 700 quid food waste costs a household a year. That is a lot of money and nobody wants to be wasteful, especially when money's tight. But I believe it's about rethinking it. So it's either, yeah, buying less, um, freezing it, using your freezer as the time machine that it is. If you are, if you are in danger of uh, something going off, either give it away. Do you guys know the app Olio? No. It's definitely, definitely in Ireland too. O-L-I-O. It's free. It's a neighborhood sharing app. So Say you had a bag of rocket or maybe you bought a buy one, get one free cereal box and you're like, actually, I don't really like it or my kids don't like it. You can just take a picture, upload it and you can share it. And I'm sure there's smaller versions of that. It's a neighborhood sharing app. Just like give it away, share your spare, freeze it in the time machine. If in doubt, I'm always like, as you say, you know, make that soup. And um, you said earlier, you said it, there's nothing that grates me more than people not wasting. And I wanted to interject, but you were, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Mid -round. I think that the greater, you know, the humble greater that I think everybody has got a greater at home is such a fantastic invention because it stops you wasting. So I just constantly think, right, 
I've got a leftover carrot. I'll grate it into my porridge. Carrot cake porridge, I can with a bit of cinnamon. I've got a courgette. I'll grate it into my pasta sauce. Uh, I've got cauliflower. I'll grate it into my um, rice with a bit of coconut milk. And I've got like lovely coconut cauliflower rice. Uh, squash, I'll grate it into a muffin. So I just think a grater is such a fantastic way um, of not wasting. And sometimes if I don't know what to do some- with something, I'll grate it put it, you know, in a reusable uh, bag, flatten it and chuck it into the freezer. And then it will always come in useful at a later stage. Or make like a kind of frittata or use chickpea flour to make plant-based frittata. Delicious. Yeah, I think one of the keys to learning how to waste less is to actually, like traditionally people were taught how to cook by their parents. It was part of like learning how to grow up and become an independent human. Whereas that kind of, I guess skill set is being lost and I think the more we can learn to cook off recipes which I really admire you know in your books you'll often talk about substitutions and how you can use this instead of this and that it's not it's a framework more than it is a recipe it's like a concept which you can interchange depending on what's in season what you have in your fridge and what you need to use today and I think the more people can learn how to cook off piste and move beyond oh my god it said half a thumb-sized piece of ginger. And if I put it anymore, the recipe's going to be breaking, broken. And oh my God, what'll I do? Whereas I think the more you can realize that, listen, you know, if the head of broccoli was grown in Spain versus in Ireland, it's going to be fundamentally different. It's going to taste different depending on how fresh it was. Like vegetables are all different like us humans. And similarly, if we can learn to embrace this diversity, the better we are at cooking and the less waste we have. That's and, that was a it. Big brand. and also, you know, I think that's what we really share in common, isn't it? That our off-piece recipe books, like we, we, I think we both encourage, and I see a trend for this, even in like more of the kind of traditional old school chefs, um, very much talking about food waste now, very much talking about being flexible with your recipes, uh, being flexible with what you've got. And I know you know this too, but the... Um, the advice from a lot of gut health experts now is that we should be aiming for 30 plus different plant-based foods. So, you know, that can be quite, that can feel quite intimidating, but if you make your favorite go-to comfort foods, so maybe on a Monday, you make some sort of lovely lasagna, maybe on a Tuesday, you make a taco Tuesday, like stuff some tacos with mushrooms, maybe on Friday, you make a clear the fridge curry. If you're, swapping and changing your vegetables your herbs your spices in all of your favorite comfort foods a week but using that base idea that you're familiar with that doesn't feel like too much of a challenge you're gonna excel your 30 plus plant-based foods a week it's like a fantastic way of not wasting plus um diversifying your diet Yes. Me getting back. <laughs> An interesting fact, which I read recently, is that in the UK and Ireland, they say five. You should eat five pieces of fruit and veg a day. In Canada, it's seven. In Japan, they say it's 13 fruits or veg a day. Whereas, according what? to the American Good Project, it's 30 per week. Yeah, but I, was, but I was amazed that in Japan, it's it's 13 per yeah. day. Like, 13 whereas, per day. Oh, wow, that's whereas in Ireland and England, it's like five. Five, eat your, did you eat your five a day? And I was just amazed how in a different culture, in a different country... It's it's just so more, they encourage people to eat so much more fruit and veg, probably yes. for the benefit of their own health, of their own you yes. know, citizens and, of their country. And the economy. The economy less, as well, because there's less sickness and whatnot. So I just, I, I thought that was really yeah. interesting, you know. I've been working, um, volunteering with lots and lots of um, different charities recently. There's a campaign called Feed the Future, and we're trying to extend free school meals 
for uh, there's about 800,000 children in the UK at the moment that are missing out uh, on free school meals because of eligibility. And one of the arguments uh, that is incredibly valid is uh, that these charities have come up with is that they're set, they're explaining that well, not only do children deserve an education and they can't concentrate at school, excel at school if they are going without meals, especially at lunchtime, um, but that feeding children nutritious food, uh, how that will help the economy moving forward in the sense that they will have a better education, they will be healthier, obesity levels are sure to go down if they're eating healthy nutritious food and showing the cost of the economy, that it, it, the way that it will um, benefit the future. That's why it's called Feed the Future. So, yeah, and I'm just thinking about, I've only been to Tokyo once years ago, but I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know what? You have that gorgeous savory breakfast. You've got your miso soup with your sea vegetables in there. Um, maybe there's some roasted sweet potato in breakfast. Having a, you know, I grew up, as I say, with my Filipino mum, and we would have savory breakfast. What would you and have? Think, what would you have? What would you have? Yeah. Oh, well, we would have mackerel quite a lot for breakfast. Wow. And I'd be so self-conscious of like my fishy breath at school. But, you know, my mum was all for brain health. And, you know, she would be like, walnuts look like brains, eat them. Smoked mackerel, so good for your for your brain. Um, but I love, I love a savory breakfast. I'll, I'll often have whatever's leftover roasted veg, uh, made up into something. I'll snack on it cold. I mean, I'll, I love, I love a mezze breakfast. Like I'll literally grab something out of the fridge. I love hummus. I'll have anything. Well, I always like to think of you as the queen of big flavors. Like genuinely, that's what I would, I would think. Melissa, Melissa oh. the queen of big flavors. Like, cause really, uh, I'm not surprised that you eat a savory breakfast. Cause I, I, I just, you like pizzazz within your food. It's certainly not going to be subtle and, you know, sitting in the background well, and bland. Yeah. And, and, I, and I mainly like bowl food. Like, you're not, as you know, when you've come to mind, we don't, I don't have like fancy food. It's very much bowl food. I know that you love it too. Soups, curries, stews. But you know what? Speaking of breakfast, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like you guys in your sunrise swims. When you start the day feeling good or you do something to switch your mood in the morning, the trickle, it's not even a trickle down effect, the kind of the knock on effect of it. Um, is is game changing, and I actually had uh, a therapy session a few hours ago, and um, my therapist, he's amazing. I've, I've traditionally had female therapists, and he was recommended to me. He's a guy, and he's one of the few guy therapists I've ever had. And he was saying something to me, and at the end, he went, "Remember, Melissa, your day starts any time of the day you want it to start." Because I was saying, oh, it's, you know, whatever, two o'clock and I blah, 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 blah. This has gone wrong and blah, blah. And I just thought that was such an interesting way because here I am saying, you know, the, you know, the morning is a great time to kind of get yourself right with food and you're having your sunrise swims. But actually, you can start the day anytime. Like That's right nice. now, I'm feeling buzzed from chatting to you guys. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, you know, a new perspective. You're reminding me of all the, how far I've come since I've last spoken to you and you're inspiring me to book a flight to Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to move it into food and specifics of food. Okay. Melissa Hemsley, what are three of your favorite food ingredients that are essentials that Ooh. typically, particularly like I noticed ourselves like in our books, I'll look through different books and I'll kind of go, I'll know that that was the, that was the chili phase when we put red chilies and just about everything. <laughs> so this funny. is the book I where we had goji berries and just about everything. And I'm kind of going, yeah. okay, 
And I remember being in your house and there was lots of zatar in the fridge and we were going... And you'd preserve lemon. And we were going, what's zatar, Mich- Melissa? Where the heck do... And, and we'd never tasted it. Like, And then you'd also to eat a green kind of pesto, which was not pesto. Zug. It was like... It was zug. It was zug. Zug. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, even yeah, zatar, like it was zug. Yeah, I think we ate the full tub of it. But, yeah, but, but yeah, so, so what are three, what are three kind of flavors in the moment or three, which, which are yeah, really, the, I think at the you're moment playing with good. at the moment. I like oh, the pause. Is, uh, can I, can I come back to that? But can I quickly tell you something that's related to your question? That I think you're going to love. Yes. Do you know Dr. Uma Naidu? No. no. Have you had her on? No. So she is, she lectures at Harvard. She's, um, She's an expert in nutritional psychiatry and she's also a trained chef. And I think you're going to love this. She has this acronym for brain foods, right? So B is berries and beans. R is rainbow of veg. A is antioxidant. I is includes protein. N is nuts and seeds. F is fermented foods. O is omega-3s. The other O is oils. The D is dairy if you eat it. But if you don't eat it, it's whatever is the alternative, but whole, not diet, not low fat. And the S is spices. And I love that. And I I have it printed out. When I go shopping, I think, look for brain foods, change up your berry and your bean, change up a rainbow veg, maybe focus on a different spice this week. So I wanted to just share that because it's a really nice way of broadening how you cook. And I love that she's come up with this acronym. Yeah, brain foods. Nice. So now, back, that, to, back to well, the specifics of three back to the, for the specifics. moment. Okay, I love ginger. I've just been drinking my ginger tea. I grate ginger into my porridges. I have it in my curries. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm obsessed with ginger and always probably will be. It's a key ingredient in Filipino Is cooking. that to warm you up as well? Is that as a, like a warm? it warms you up. And, and in the summer, I would make big pots of ginger tea and I would cool it and I would add fizzy water at the end of the day and lime into it sometimes i'd if i had you know when you cook with lemongrass and in recipes you're always asked to like take out the outer layers which ends up being like 80 percent of the volume of it i would always put my lemongrass husks as it were in my pot of ginger to brew nice good top (laughs) tips there's a few little nuggets coming in here now yeah so that's ginger you've asked for two more yeah i'm afraid dave what would you pick well, tamari, yeah. tamari would always be one of mine. I was always going to pick tamari. I was always, I was probably pick harissa as well. Harissa is something which I just, I find so wonderful. I don't use it enough, but harissa is just something that's just instant. Like it's got that salt, it's got that spice, it's got multiple different flavors going on that I just, I find it really, really good. So there's I'd two. I'd go with like bitter greens. It's something that we struggle to eat loads. And now have uh, the you're farm. just saying the answer. But I'm, I'm saying what I, what I, what I aspire to eat more of. Like on the farm, we've access to so many bitter greens, and it's something we, as a society, we don't eat enough. And last night, actually, Dave, I went and picked two big bunches of kale. Like, and it was real, like a cavalonero. So it was real dark. And I, like I told the oh. kids, I was making them pesto pasta. I was like, ha 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 ha! It's kale pesto, chumps. Salad, <laughs> good <laughs> for us. Yeah, so crazy dark green, isn't it? And oh, lovely. It's lovely, yeah. Um, I I also love my, my leafy greens, and actually, I struggle with them. I prefer cavallonero to yeah. kale. I mean, I know they're in the same family, black kale and all, all sorts, but I prefer the texture. And one thing I like to do: Do you guys ever do like Christmas cabbage with like cinnamon and raisins and? No. Do you ever do that at Christmas? We, I think it maybe comes from we used to live in Germany. When we Is that red cabbage? Red cabbage, like braised red cabbage. Yeah, yeah. We do like it. You do like it. Okay. I don't like it, but I know it's common. 
<laughs> you don't like it? Oh, I don't know. It's just kind of like, yeah, no. Oh, I, no I'm going to make it for you with a little okay. bit of apple in, not too sweet. I don't think oh, I've given it. enough of a chance. I think I just thought Part of me would feel like I'd like to fry it a little bit and get a bit of texture on it too. Like take it because it often just looks like a dead duck to me. Like, like as in it's duck. just it's looks like it, it just looks a bit lifeless. Like when I've seen it, it hasn't really attracted me in the past. So. Okay, in the yeah. past it hasn't attracted yeah. you. Okay, fine. but I'm open. I'm open. I'm the, okay. the book isn't closed. So what I like to do is I like to, and I think this has got sort of like Sicilian vibes. Is I like to um, get my travelo nero and um, braise it slash fry it. So if you want a bit more texture, you could do this. And I'll do it with garlic and some pine nuts or some pecans. And I'll put some raisins in it and maybe a little bit of balsamic vinegar. So it's got that kind of sour, sweet feel that goes so nicely. And then I'll toss some pasta through it. Oh, my stomach. Do you just hear my stomach rumble? Toss some pasta through it or maybe have it with like some roasted potatoes. Oh, I love it. So, yeah, balancing the bitter greens with a little bit of sweet. And I love tang. Again, that's a key Filipino flavor, like tamarind calamansi which is like a cross between a lemon and a lime sort of thing like sour flavors i love a lot of vinegary flavors actually in feel good there is a shiitake mushroom adobo and the unofficial national dish of the philippines which are seven thousand islands southeast asia um is chicken adobo and i came up well, I didn't come up with, people have made adobo with mushrooms before, but when I made the shiitake mushroom adobo and presented it to my mother and aunties, they were like, that is really good. That is a great plant-based version of the chicken. So it's um, bay leaves, vinegar, tamari, your fave, oh, loads yes, of garlic, yes. the mushrooms, and it's quick and you just have it with like white fluffy rice and you can have it with some pickles, which is not traditional, but I have it with watercress as well. Oh my God, I love watercress. Jesus, as soon as we start talking you, of food, uh, Melissa, you thing, just come one, to one, life. One thing that I also, that I've recently playing around with was umabashi plum. You know, that kind of like oh, just yeah. sharp, tangy, salty, like it epitomized to me that zingy. We put it through kale, actually. We put it through kale there recently and I was just like, the next day I was like, oh, that'd go great with umabashi. Oh, that needs umabashi. Oh, no, no, no. It's just missing a little bit of tang. Yeah, umabashi plum. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. It's such a nice word to say as well, isn't it? Umaboshi. Um, you say, you um, sound sophisticated as well because most people don't know what it is. So it's like, go, oh, yeah, I'm so cool. <laughs> no, but it's, what, in essence, it's a big... bestseller at the calf at the moment? What is everyone craving? Or could could you predict bread? Like well, you, bread is very good. Like we opened a sourdough bakery, which you've never well you've never been, but but uh, that that was about two and a half years ago, a sourdough bakery, and it's they've recently added more hydration to the the bread, and it's just. It's even better. Like it really is. So I would say the bread is particularly, particularly wow. like a spelt wow. sourdough, which is just, I, I had some today and, and it was just divine. It's beautiful. And you're a happy man. You're was, a happy it man. Was, it was a moment of, you know, that, you know, when you take that moment and the simple things in life, like I had a crust of bread and it was, it wasn't really warm, but it was fresh and I dunked it in hummus and I just took oh. that moment and it, it was a lovely moment. Oh, Yeah. Simple moments. Yeah. Oh Very man, good. swim sauna sourdough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a good place to finish this, Melis. When are you coming to visit? Social okay. accountability. Social yeah. accountability. I know you're on your fertility journey, so it's probably it's like now November. You know, you're maybe the, you're, what day do we? Hey, November the. Listen, the I can't of the month. You guys have got loads of kids. Yeah, I'm sure being around you is going to be good for fertility. Oh, sure totally. Yeah. <laughs> or, or else it might push you the other way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Whenever it's so funny because you know what everyone says to you. Oh, 
don't stress, try not to stress, like try not to overthink it, you know, the whole, and I'm sure it's the same with lots of people's issues when people say don't stress, but I definitely think that doing things that make you laugh, make you feel good has got to be good for fertility and just general health, right? Like having a fertile, my friend Emma Cannon talks about it, having a fertile mindset as she's like, look at trees, be around nature. I went away to Cornwall in September and I woke up in this cottage and I was surrounded by cows and calves. And then at nighttime, I was surrounded by owls. And then at daytime, I was surrounded by seals. And I looked up cows and owls and they're, sim- they're symbols of fertility. And I just thought, wow, I'm taking that. Well, it's you know, coming to me. It's coming it's all around. Yeah. And one thing which yeah. is interesting, which they say about um, who's they, Dave? Who's they? I think it's more urban whispers and urban myths which you'll hear, and and it's it's more it's completely anecdotal. But you'll hear a lot of couples, and, and I'm sure you know people as well, and I certainly know people where they've been on the fertility journey, and it's when they throw the towel and they go, ah, listen, we're we're just we've had enough with it. We've had enough with it. And then you see them two years later, and you see them with a kid, and they go. Well, we gave up and then we started just drinking wine and taking it easy and we went on holidays and we started living yeah. our life again and it just happened. And and you, like yeah. it's, it's very anecdotal so so that it's it's very case specific, but you do hear that and that's really more you in relation do. to your stress issue that sometimes there's so much pressure and stress on something that it... It loses the beauty of it. Yeah, it might lose the, the, the actual functional. fertility within it, you know. Yeah, and you know what? A study I read, was it... Uh, an Italian study or an Israeli study, I forget, but apparently at a fertility clinic, when they would place the embryo inside the woman, so this is the a donor sperm or a donor egg meets the other and then placed inside, they have clowns in the clinic. To, and I think obviously some of you find clowns very scary, but let's just say you find clowns funny. They then, as soon as it goes in, so the whole process takes two minutes, they then get the clowns to make the women laugh and they have higher rates of success of the embryo implanting. So yeah, joy. And that's why I feel really good after speaking to you guys. Joy, watching comedy, being around kids, being around funny pets. Like I'm just looking for that a lot at the moment, like letting laughter and like simple, beautiful things wash over me. That's amazing. I I think they're the true superfoods in life. Laughter, joy, friendship, connection. They're the... Yes. There, back to the oh guys I feel so I just you're you're my dose of medicine thank you Mel we should plug your book so Melissa's book her most recent book is called Eat or Feel Good it's a I, I love the way you described it it was where you were trying to incorporate mental health into a cookbook as much as you could I thought that was a great analogy yeah, yeah. and this is the I queen of big flavours the queen of big flavours yeah. Mel you're a darling you, you really are. are we love you oh, dearly guys love you guys have a great rest of the day thank you everybody who listened love chatting to you happy for mm-hmm. today bye Mel you're amazing we love you bye love bye you. bye 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 that was lovely Melissa Hemsley is a wonderful most beautiful fabulous human and uh Henry, our partner, is just a legend too. Yeah, I think in the intro we forgot to mention about, um, yeah, they, they they used to cook for Take That and for other kind of um, celebrity type people and that was how her and, her, her and her sister first kind of got into it and started writing cookbooks and whatever. Not that that's particularly relevant. And Jazz is a legend. Jazz yeah, is equally yeah. as wonderful a human being. Yeah, um, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed that and it was, it was a real privilege to hear Melissa talk about her fertility journey and miscarriages. I, I really appreciate how brave she is and honest she is about that. I think it's so wonderful. I think it's so important for the healing process and part of the, 
fertility process, I think being open about it, if it suits you, I, I admire it certainly with her personality. Um, and her books and her food is genuinely, when I call her the queen of big flavors, I really, really do mean it. And that comes from having cooked in the kitchen with her lots of times. So yeah, do check her out. She's on Instagram, melissa.hemsley. Um, and she's got six cookbooks. Um, I think there's four think of them by five. herself. I think there's four by oh, yourself, yeah, I think, and then two are with her sister, Jasmine. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, out. do check them out. Thanks, Mel, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it and wishing you a wonderful day. Bye, 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 bye. bye, 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 bye. bye.